Welcome back to the Northwest Convergence Zone. Yes. Here at the cozy, crisp confines of the pseudo man cave. Yeah, we forgot to mention that. Yes. We're in transition, man. We are in uh, Double D's, uh, well, we're just going to call it a garage. It's not a man cave. It's definitely a garage. <laughs> it's my kind of man cave. That's true. <laughs> okay. It's got Fair plenty enough. of tools. He's got the the... Mondo amount of tools over there. Jeez, I might have to leave right. with a few. Oh, Don't you dare. Yeah. I'm just going to borrow them. I'll slide some your way. Yeah. I'll, I'll write you know, <laughs> even a little uh, promissory note or something. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. There's only, what, five toolboxes So, yeah, uh, I mentioned yeah. earlier that I'm moving on Thanksgiving Day and over that weekend. And so the actual official man cave that all the everybody who's ever been a guest on the show has come to know and love is no more. It's gone. We, we should have a little wake. Actually, but, this whole segment is going to be awake. But. So, everyone quiet. Okay, we're yeah, done with that. All right, okay. Uh, but the new one that is being built. Prepared. Is going to be even better. It's going to be amazing. And uh, I know for those of you out there listening, you're like, who the hell cares, man? You guys are coming through my speakers. It's a big deal to us. And, and the man cave has become legendary legendary in its own right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we, we, have, uh, we have high standards that we have to achieve. Well, yeah, you know, you like it a little comfort, you know, you don't want to come in and it's aluminum folding chairs and 42 degrees. You know, I mean, hey, <laughs> granted that. Yeah, we actually but have double nice D, chairs But thank you here, for yes. letting us, uh, you know, set up temporary shop in, in, the, in the garage. This chair I'm on, I swear this was in my grandma's house. And you know what? She's been dead since 90. You so. look like you should break out the knitting or something. I know. I'll, I'll do a little crochet, make up a nice little hat or Can something. Can you do that, please? Yeah. I need a new toque. Well, let's talk about some uh, cool little dates. There are some events coming, coming up because we uh, first... Uh, the event that we went to yes, on Friday, Friday night, night mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. Sweet Kiss Mama, uh, Guns in Nevada, Midnight Salvage Company. Great time. If you missed it, you missed it. Because yeah, all three bands were stellar. I thought the Guns for, their, I think it was their first trip to Tacoma or something. I know it was their first trip to Jazz Bones. To Jazz Bones. Ripped it up, tore it up, they left did. everybody wanting more. Absolutely. And uh, Gimmer, you did a great job introducing the boys. I didn't kiss. fumble fumble around too oh, much. And we handed out lots of our free CDs. And we have more. And I know I've gotten messages on Facebook and stuff like, oh, I forgot to grab one. We have more. And uh, there's an event coming up that the Gimmer is going to tell you about that we're going to have them down at. Yeah, so December 10th at Hell's Kitchen, it's a, it's kind of a new little deal going on. It's uh, the first year. They're yes, done this. it's uh, like the Northwest Musicians and Artists Networking Christmas Party. Yes. And I believe it's no cover. Is that right, Saint? No, there is a cover. Is there a cover there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, five bucks. Five bucks. That's cool. But, you know, if you like the music scene, you're in the music scene, and you don't have to be a musician. You could just be a sound guy. You can be, uh, you know, podcast guys like us. It's just, yeah. it, it's, it's a time to come down, enjoy, and network. Yeah, I mean, there's just going to be a grip of, of all the I, local I know players, bands will players be there. from bands that I know that, yeah. you know, they're taking the night off and just going to come down and... Cat has brought has, is bringing in a lot of bands from outside the area. Mm-hmm. The whole idea is that the Tacoma bands get a night off to come out and hang out. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to be there. My wife. Will I'll be there. Be there. I'm there. Uh, so that's December 10th, Hell's at Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. And uh, let's talk about this Wednesday uh, at Hell's Kitchen. This um, guitar player, Rick Beatty. He's Dude. A, he's an instrumentalist, and uh, you know I think I I liken him to uh, Steve Vai, Eric Johnson. 
uh, Satriani. That's the type of music that he lays down, and he knows all those it's guys up there too. I, I was just talking with Rick at Jazzbones Friday night. I got yeah, to meet him. Came and, out. He's a great guy. And uh, we rapped a while, and we, we're gonna have a little something in the works together. Um, Get if you like, uh, in, in, you know, Ginley Mal Malstrom. Uh, any of those Ingve Ingve Malstein, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Isn't that guy there wasn't that the running back for the Ravens? I'm that pretty you just sure it was, there? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> but if you like any of those guys, Satriani, any 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 of those, this dude totally rips it up yep. from Olympia. You will not be. It's, it's a free show too. You won't be disappointed. It's going to be a face melter, and he doesn't play uh, around here. He's a, actually a touring artist um, who has not played a lot back here in his own, you know, backyard. So not a lot of people know who this cat is. It's going to be a real big deal for him, actually. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, so that's Wednesday night, uh, eight o'clock. Um, Friday, we've got Skippy coming to town. Friday and Saturday, and if people remember, Family Ties. Um, Alex P. Keaton's buddy pal, Skippy. Yeah, Skippy, Mark Price. Now, I've seen him, his stand-up act. Oh, have you? And he's freaking hilarious. I have heard that. And he's been doing it for... Actually, I think he was doing it when it was on the show back yeah, then. Yeah, he's coming to Tacoma. So, fr Friday and Saturday night at the, uh, the Tacoma to Comedy Club. Right down there on uh, 6th and Tacoma, isn't that right? Tacoma Avenue. Tacoma Avenue, yeah. They I mean, it's it a great venue, too. If you haven't been to it yet, you need to go check it out. Uh, that is uh, a good space, great layout for comedy, and I, I, would, I would put that on a to-do list. Absolutely. Um, December 31st, uh, however... A lot of stuff going on that you night, know, man. People, people immediately you know, target that off, and they're going to go to a party or whatever you know, for New Year's Eve. Well... There's a party happening in Oli Town. Cancel your plans. Yep. The Sonics. Tacoma Sonics. The legendary. Not Lenny Wilkins Sonics. No, not those guys. The guys who, uh, you know, bands like Sonic Youth and Nirvana and Iggy Pop and uh, cats like that who have, you know, over the years chimed in and, and given incredible kudos uh, to the Sonics as being, uh, you know, really foundational in their own totally uh, musical in their, uh, journey. Yeah, absolutely. So December 31st, man, what's going on with it? Uh, Capitol Theater, Sonics, in concert. Tickets go on sale this week. There's uh, the Olympia band, the Dirty Birds, one of the opening. They're, they're fun to watch, too. And, uh, but the Sonics do not play in our area very often. In fact, it's actually pretty rare because they're kind of spread out that they actually get together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, well, they've been doing most of their work across seas, across the pond. They have really found new life over in Europe and yeah, they are amazing. digging it. <clears throat> in fact, awesome. speaking of the Sonics, hmm. they are together right now and we were invited into their space. We're able to chat with the boys. I am, Jacked up and high as a kite and proud to say, here is our interview with the Sonics. All right, everybody. Big D here with you. And this is a very a special occasion for us. I am talking with Freddie, Rob, Larry, Ricky, and Jerry. Together, they make up the Tacoma legendary band, the Sonics. And this is a big deal for us. Guys, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for being thank you. Here. It's good to have you guys in. Now, uh, we're we brought podcast from Tacoma, and I know you guys. This the band started in Tacoma. Let's go back to the year 1960, which I believe is basically the 
earliest inception that, that I could find as the Sonics were kind of gathering and, and getting together. And take us back to Tacoma 1960, what it was like, what you guys were doing, and, and how the Sonics sort of started to find each other. Um, musically, anyway. The, well, I lived in, uh, in uh, Lakewood in Tacoma, which is near you know, the Air Force Base in Fort Lewis at that time. Um, hence the word Sonics, I guess. <laughs> I started playing when I heard uh, my, my uncle Ray play electric guitar once, and I was about 13 to 14 years old, and uh, got together with a guy uh, who had a snare drum, and that was it. So it was a snare drum and guitar. Um, and we formed a band called the Sonics at that time, and we brought in a stand-up bass player and another guitar player. And, and, and your and, and what was the early sound? Because it was, your first your first forty five didn't come out until sixty four. Right. So that early sound, who were you drawing from, or were, were you trying to attempt? We a were sound? mostly. It's in fact it was all instrumental. Everything from the Ventures to Dwayne Eddy, you know, whoever was playing instrumental rock tunes at the time. Right. That's what we were we were playing. I was uh, playing clarinet in a high school band, a high school orchestra. I played clarinet all the way from the third grade up up to high school. And uh, one afternoon, I had to stay after school and do something, so I went by the music room, and it was all empty. And there was a stand up piano down there, and there was a, a a guy down there playing piano, and he was playing rock and roll music. And I'd never, I always liked it, but I'd never gotten to play it. And and I went down and and talked to him and he was playing piano and uh i said god that's really pretty neat there must be a saxophone around here someplace so i pulled a sax i'd never played one i pulled a sax out some other kids put it together and he and i were playing rock and roll music and we were just having a great time and the uh, band teacher came out and he said a famous quote he said hey you guys quit stepping on that cat's tail <laughs> and so the piano player and i went over to his house and kept playing and that's the day I met Jerry Rosley, and, and he and I played in little bands, uh, just like Larry was talking about from that point on. Just got all possessed by rock and roll music and wanted to play it all the time. And so what was the, what was the scene in Tacoma? Um, you know, was, it, was music accepted at the time? Was it hard to find places to play? Uh, I know the Ventures and the Whalers and those guys were, you know, were playing around, and, and it, but Really, Tacoma music, as far as rock and roll, you guys were part of the, this entire birth of it, the inception of it. And was it easy to go out and see other bands? And when you guys decided to finally play a place, was it easy to find places to play? Not in 1960. There were bands all over the place. There were, there were guys playing in, in garages, the Delgados, Jerry Miller we grew up with. He, he was playing in, in, in his grandmother's house. Um, Jerry and I were in some finky band. I don't remember what it was, but we we were so excited because our first show was at a Lutheran church, and we knew about four songs, one of which was Holly Gully. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we played the four songs, you know, and they said, what do you want to do now? Oh, let's do Holly Gully again. Okay, Holly. And so we played the Holly Gully about ten times. But that was a gig. That was a first gig, and that was real impressive. Didn't really start happening in Tacoma until little Bill started coming on the scene, and then the Whalers started uh, started coming on the scene, and we went to see those guys. Whalers were playing before we were, and we used to go see them and watch them. And 
And, but there was actually some places to play before uh, the Whalers and stuff like that. It would be like the Lake City Teen Club, St. Mary's Church in the big the, the ballroom they had there. There was a couple of teen clubs and school dances. Did you yeah, have a lot of NCAA soccer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of times. A lot of times it was, we'll let you guys play, you know, and you go, oh, God, we can play, and they won't pay anything. Right. Well, and it's the, not, not much has changed in that, <laughs> on that front. So uh, 1963, I believe, is when you had what is now known up as the classic Sonic lineup, the original lineup, 63. And uh, was it 63? Really? Around that time, because 64 was when your first single came out. Is it? So I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. According to according to my sources. <laughs> now, when did when did Buck Ornsby first start catting around and scouting you guys out? Because he's been your longtime manager, obviously with the Whalers, and I, I think a big, um, you know, driving force in getting you guys out there. <laughs> just dead silence. Well, Buck and Kent Morrow were running Etiquette Records at the time, and um, that's obviously where the witch came from. But in those days, nobody was managing us. We didn't have them. Actually, Buck started actually managing us about three years ago when we, when we started this, this iteration. But then we were just actually Larry's brother, Andy, was uh, he was the phone contact and he was the one that would call us and say where we were playing and so forth. We didn't have a quote unquote manager at that time. <clears throat> so let's talk about the witch. The, uh, 1964, 65. Uh, most things that are going on on the radio is like you know bubblegum pop, a lot of uh, you know sunny sunny happy happy tunes, mm -hmm. and here come the Sonics out of Tacoma with this song, the witch. And uh, Jerry with the you know the screaming Jay Hawkins type vocals and the pounding drums and it was something that a lot of the sound was something that a lot of most people had never heard and then you're singing about a witch what was the reception of that at the time and were you worried putting that out there that mm, we might get labeled as like you know a weird band or some off the wall band I don't think we thought that way I I, I don't. I don't think we were worried about no. what the lyrics were. It's just were. what we played. Yeah. And that's how we that's how we played when we got together. It just kind of worked out that way. No discussion about, you know, we're going to pound hard on this. And everybody just had a sense that that's how to do it. And as far as whether it was acceptable or not, I don't think any of us gave that a thought either. It was acceptable to us. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I don't, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't think about it. Didn't you say that, that the witch started out as like a, a, dance. a dance? Yeah, do the witch. Yeah, do the witch. <laughs> Whatever okay, let's that talk is. about your vocal your vocal styles, which um, before the witch came out, I think the only way people could have heard that sort of screaming, uh, very emotional style, uh, you know, flailing around, was what they called back then. They called you know black music, uh, and, and it wasn't readily available, really. Especially up in the northwest. So, what was what was your influence? And then, you know, how did you decide, or at what point did you decide, I'm not going to croon and I'm not going to do what a lot of these guys are doing now, and I'm just going to let lay it out there. When did I decide that? Yeah, what, like when you joined the band and when you guys got together, or were you doing this all along? You said, "Follow me." No, I just liked. Um 
I liked people that were over the top. You know, like when I saw Jerry Lee Lewis, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I mean, and I just thought, that's what it is. To me, that's real rock and roll, you know, just giving everything and James Brown and, and uh, Wilson Pickett and Little Richard and, you know, a bunch of people like that. I, and, and well, Elvis, of course, he was doing something nobody done. And I, I that's the way I, I, I wanted to do it too. You know, well, it's very, it was just, very unique style at the time. I mean, it still is. And if you go back and you listen, especially to some, you know, the early Sonics, just that, that hard drive, that, that pound of the drums, and then your, you know, it was screaming vocals, but it, they were understandable lyrics. And I think that's where a lot of bands miss it these days. Mm -hmm. They like to scream, but they're inaudible. You don't know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. It seemed to me you were, you felt your music, you were, you know, putting it out there, but you wanted people to understand what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Well, he knew how to phrase Absolutely, real well. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about uh, the recording style. Uh, there's rumors uh, that, you know, when you guys were recording, you would tear out, like, the sound panels uh, and put one mic over your drums and just hit it as hard as you could to pick it up. What what was what was that like when you went into the recording studio back in the 60s and you're recording all the, you know, uh, Strict Nine and all, all these songs? What was what was going through your mind? Were you looking for a unique sound? Yeah, or? I think the biggest difficulty was trying to was recording the guitar because we wanted this distortion. Hopefully, natural tube distortion, which generally means turn it on 10, mm -hmm. unless your knob goes to 12. Um, and that was difficult because then the, the, the meter would peg and the engineer would get excited about distortion, which is what we wanted. Um, <laughs> and there was, we were able to work that out locally in some of the studios where they, could, they were able to figure out a way where we could get a, a distorted guitar uh, but it'd be acceptable to them on an engineering standpoint. When we went to Hollywood to uh, record an album, they weren't as accepting on that, so we got this real rinky-dink sound. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about the album uh, Introducing the Sonics. I, I read yeah. a few quotes here and there, and I couldn't find out who it was attributed to. Uh, one of somebody apparently in this group said it was the worst garbage. Oh, it is. And I mean, it just weren't satisfied with it. Did you? I mean, because that had to have been at, at the beginning, sort of a high note. Man, we're going to Hollywood. You know, we we're going down to record a record, and this is big deal. And and then the end result. What what was the? Well, feeling? it was partly our fault for for knowing that we had a recording session coming up and not preparing for it, which we have a history of doing, wait until the last minute and then <laughs> say, well, well, now what are we going to do? So we went down there and some of the songs we didn't even realize where we could re would record until we were actually recording them. And then we discovered we couldn't get the sound we wanted there. So I think when we left, we thought we just left it on a cutting room floor and it was a failure only to hear it later uh, from a, a different label. And it wasn't just Hollywood. It was Gold Star Studios, Larry Levine, uh, um, yeah, Beach Boys, and, yeah. and the Mamas Tijuana and the Papas. Brass. Tijuana Brass oh. just left the studio, and we came in and laid an egg. It was it was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but but what Larry was what Larry was saying is what Larry is saying is absolutely right, though, because we would try to do something, and and the engineer, who's a famous, nationally famous engineer said no 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 oh god you can't do that turn that stuff down so we wound up you know 
Yeah, we'll fix it on our end later. Yeah, we'll fix yeah, it in right. the mix. That was a famous we'll lie. Yeah, we'll we'll right. fix it in the mix. Well, it goes right. to show you how far ahead of their time they really were. I oh, mean, absolutely. Here they were in the in the middle middle of the hottest marketplace in the world, recording marketplace in the world, and what they the way they wanted to hear it. The way they wanted not to play the it, the, the not the way they could accept. No, they yeah, well, I have. A, they didn't get it. I have a list here. We'll get to it in a few minutes about bands that have attributed uh, a lot of their sounds to you guys that are, you know, big, big bands, <coughs> big stars these days. Let's talk about the 1960, roughly 66 through 68 is when you kind of uh, wound it down the original lineup and sort of went separate. What was going on in 66 to 68? The, was that tumultuous? Or was it just a friendly parting? Or take take us back to that time. What was going on to, with the band? Well, I think it was it, it, it was individual kinds of things. It was the the state of the, the state of the country at the time. Vietnam I, War. The Vietnam War was going on, and I got caught up in that and left. And and uh, Larry and Jerry were doing other things. And Andy, who at the time, um, as I said, was you know, answering the phones for us, sold the name to somebody else that, uh, you know, uh, played a little bit different kind of music. They were called the Sonics, but they didn't play the stuff that we did. Yeah, so yeah, I, just, didn't, yeah I didn't know that. So somebody actually bought the name for a while? I don't know if it was really sold or not, but they were permitted to use the name. Was that Jim, Jim he sold them the band truck, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, the bogan horns and yeah. the band truck. Yeah. Right. And did, and, but when you all, when this was going on, because it was a tumultuous time just in our nation in general, and a lot of things were going down. And so when you basically all parted, did, did you really feel that was it? Yeah. Yeah, probably so. I mean, I, I had to you know, go in the Air Force to avoid going, you know, as a foot traffic into Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And just like Robin and, and to the uh, military, so we didn't have no choice anyway. We couldn't come back and play if we wanted to. Right. And then who, who, or what was the catalyst later? Because uh, in 1972 you got together and played the Paramount. What was the catalyst behind that? And who, who was the, who, who made the call? Gosh, was that maybe it was Buck? I don't know. I'm not sure who who got that. Was it Pat O'Day? Did he? I don't recall. I don't recall how that was put together. It was, Pat O'Day was the uh, MC, the MC of that uh -huh. thing. Who else was on that bill? Oh, I think the Whalers were. Wasn't uh, Kingsman? No. Merrill Lee, was Merrill Lee on there? I can't remember. I don't remember. So it was like a, re like a reunion show of a lot of the original yeah. Yeah. Tacoma, Seattle bands. Yeah. And somebody made the contact. You're like, sure, we'll play. And you guys came from all different areas. What Did you... When you got on stage that night, did you feel it again? Were you like, "Yeah, we should, we should do this," or was it like, oh, "This is fun for one night, and off we go"? Yeah, yeah, it was more <laughs> like that. It was really fun. It was really a fun night. Was that at the Paramount? Was that yeah. where we did it? Yeah. Were the Kingsman was... on that show? I don't think so. But I don't. Yeah, recall. because I was in the Kingsman at that time, and I yeah. can't remember playing. I know Fred Zufeld was there playing drums. So whatever band he was that with, that was a surprise package, or. American Eagle or something like that. Big I think we I think we played Maybe four songs. Three. I think it was three. three. Wasn't it? Yeah. And it now this is with the revamped Sonics. This is with added a couple of different No, no, no. Was, originals. It was the five so originals. It was it was the two thousand seven show. Uh, or that, that was the revamp. That yeah. was the revamp Sonics. Correct. Yeah, that was with Ricky and Donnie Wilhelm. Right. And right. so what was the cat was there there was just this gap again? 
We don't like to talk about how long a gap, but yeah, there was a gap there. <laughs> there was a promoter from uh, New York that called probably early in the, maybe 2002, 2000. Yeah, what is that like now? for you guys? You guys, you know, you've been out for a while, you're doing your thing, and all of a sudden you get this call, you're like, somebody's still interested? Well, we were told that, you know, years before anyway, in the 80s even, that we could tour Europe and stuff if we wanted to. I don't know that we all believed it at the time. Mm-hmm. Plus, our lives were just, you know, we weren't sure. situated for that. It was only when this guy from New York called, and um, he called in about, I don't know, 2004, 2002, somewhere in there. We actually got together to consider, do we want to reform again? Uh, we rented a hall, played one day, and then it's kind of faded. I don't think we even made a decision. We just faded away again. Uh, and then they called in... Uh, 2007 and asked if we'd do it and uh, I talked to Jerry and Rob and asked if they wanted to try it we decided we'd get together and uh, go through it see if we could put the things back together again and uh, we would I said we would we would tell the promoter I think it was by October somewhere in October whether it'd be a uh, a yes or a no and we got together and uh, was able to call him in October and say yeah we'll do it and that was that was the Brooklyn show. Yeah, yeah. And then, can you do you remember what happened on uh, Friday and Sunday, March twenty first and twenty third, two thousand eight? Does that ring a bell? Uh, London, London. First time you guys yeah. ever played in London. What yeah. was that? What was that like to little a band from Tacoma who has you know started, stopped, incredible, started all of a sudden back together. Uh, three of the original members added a couple. Going over to London, what was that feeling like? It was fantastic. It was just like Ricky said, it was incredible. Walk out on that stage at this place called the Forum. The place was jam-packed, big, you know, people uh, looking up at a balcony full of people. And, it was and, uh, awesome. Felt like it we was floating. just great. It was, it was And when they, when they announced you, the crowd knew that they, they, oh, they were oh, expecting yeah. you. Oh, yeah. like they tacked oh, yeah. you guys on no. We draw a unique audience, you know, I think different than most groups that are 40 years, 40 year history. <laughs> we have two, two subsets. One are really noticeable in London. Up in the balcony, you could count, you know, the number of bald heads that walked up and, and sat in the top. <laughs> <laughs> so you the have, so you have the guys that were around when we were around. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then uh, down below, standing and shaking their heads and everything were, People in their twenty, you know, the twenties age. So we, when we do our tours of Europe now, most of our audiences are maybe in the twenties, maybe low thirties. The thing that's the thing that was amazing then, and still amazes us. And we're going back to Europe here in about ten days for about the fifth time we've been over there. Initially, when we first started going over there, we couldn't figure out how all those European kids knew the words to all our songs, and we'd start. Jerry would start one of the songs from the 60s and they'd all be singing along. There'd be a thousand people there singing Strychnine or Psycho or something. We, we thought that was really cool that not only did they know who we were, but they were so familiar with us. They knew the words to all the songs. We thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. Jerry, how, how does that feel? You step up on stage, you're, you're announced, you step up on stage. Uh, was, is there a little apprehension at first? Uh, because it's been all these years, you're finally in London. And, you know, they've seen the covers of the albums and you guys, you know, we obviously age. And so you walk up there, you're like, can I lay this? Or were you completely comfortable and you're like, I'm going to knock these guys out? No, I wasn't comfortable. 
I was scared. Were you? Yeah, yeah, because a whole different country, never been in, you know, and, and, and we're all older, and all they've ever seen of us is pictures when we were teenagers and right. had no wrinkles. Pretty boys. <laughs> it took us a while to get Jerry to take what, off his burka. <laughs> and at what point in the show did you, could you feel the the love and the energy from the audience to where you just, you started to ride that wave? Pretty much right away, I think. You could just yeah. tell they they liked it. And after the first song, wah, you know, they mm -hmm. just yeah, that was a good feeling. Oh, thank God, yeah. you know. <laughs> Instead, we are not, they're not throwing nothing at us. They're saying, yeah. Now, speaking right. of myself, I, my impression was, I mean, uh, I, my feet didn't even touch the ground walking out to get behind the drums. It was just, it was just so much, and it was overwhelming. It was wonderful. You know, the sound check at 3 o'clock in the afternoon is supposed to be a closed set. Mm -hmm. There was probably 100 people in front of the stage standing <clears> there <throat> waiting for us to do the sound check. And we're doing what you're doing, a sound check, and we finally get everything fairly balanced, and we try part of a song, and we, we say, okay, that's pretty good, and we'll stop. And they're all down there cheering and screaming in, in the sound check for half of a song. And then we started figuring, hey, wait a minute, this might turn out to be a good deal. And did you ever have that sort of reception or that feeling in the U.S.? Well, Brooklyn was that way. Brooklyn was that way. There are people from all over the world there, which was kind yeah. of shocking. Yes. And what do you, so my, my, I'm curious about this, and, and I hope you'll be candid and honest. What, what are your thoughts about the Northwest? Uh, you're from here, and you've gone on to play these great shows. I mean, I can list off. You've been to Barcelona, Belgium, Norway. Except, I mean, you've been all over in Europe getting big responses. And uh, how do you feel about Tacoma? How do you feel about the Northwest, the way they've treated you? Or, you know, do you feel good about it? Or do you feel like they've kind of ignored you? How do you feel? I can say, Ricky. honestly, I, I'm getting tired. Of when people I say, uh, yeah, I'm playing, they ask me what I'm doing lately. I play with the, and I play with the Sonics. Uh, primarily, that's the pr primary thing I'm doing. And they look at me like, you don't look like a basketball player. <laughs> I swear to God. Kind of short. I swear to God. I mean, that's, but, you know, if I say that in, in Austin, Texas or L.A., they'll, they'll get it. Chances are. Sure. But up here, yeah, not, not a lot. It's, uh, and, and several of you are, are from Tacoma, Lakewood and so forth. Uh, do, do you, you feel like there's a time you guys want to go back and do? Try to do a big show at I don't know, like the, the Temple or pack out Cheney Stadium We're like or New you, Year's in Olympia. You have New Year's in Olympia, and that is the yeah. South Sound. But I know you guys. Uh, your website says it uh, that you're from Tacoma. You you know, almost everything I read, it's a t the Tacoma band, the Sonics, and I'm I'm just curious. It seems like to it seems to us as a show, and this is just I'm speaking that Tacoma loves to ignore their celebrities, and I've just I, whether it be actors, uh, pro sports, or bands, or so forth, and uh, we're on the try, we're on the cusp of trying to change that. But I'm just curious, you guys and like the Whalers and the Ventures, who are obviously Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, these are big accomplishments, and there's no, there's no like Sonic Drive or like Sonic Hall. There's no Venture, uh, you know drive or, or it, nothing's named to there's no statue of like Ron Say or any of these guys who have came from Tacoma 
And do you do you still have a soft spot and a and a place in your heart for the South? I think South? there's affection yeah. by Tacoma for the bands mentioned. Oh sure, I, I would agree with and that I think too. That there's a there we would play there if somebody was to put something together that would work. You know, right. That just hasn't been presented. But there's no lack of affection on our part for Tacoma either. We always say we're from Tacoma. Right. Oh, we appreciate that because as Tacoma kids, it make it, that gives us something to hang our hat on. You know, we're blue collar town. And, yeah. Uh, we're the you know, we're the stepson of Seattle. You know, we get a lot of nice comments on our Facebook page from people in Tacoma, uh, as well as you know everywhere else around here. But yeah, I think there's no lack of affection on the band's part for Tacoma. And I certainly don't feel like there's any slight by Tacoma. Yeah. You know, yeah. No. I, and and uh, let me clarify. I'm not talking about the Tacoma people. You know, I'm talking about like the powers that be in oh, Tacoma. Oh, yeah. I think the Tacoma people all love the I know they all love the songs. They tell us so. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, like the city council and, and the, the, just down through the ages, it seems to us that they have always seemed to just go, oh, yeah, that's nice. They're from here, but they don't really reach out. And the, you know, um, when the song, I mean, when the Whalers and Ventures did a first an album here a year or so ago called Two Car Garage. Yes. And um, at the debut or whatever you want to call it, the release of the um, CD, the, the, CD the, uh, the mayor of Tacoma showed up in Seattle for, for that uh, event. I, I was very impressed by that. Very good. Uh, well, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah, good I'm man. glad you guys feel that way. That's good. Yeah, personally, I don't expect it. I wouldn't expect you know, the city or... Uh, anybody representing the city to really care much mm-hmm. uh, well i i think we should all care a lot because you guys have done a lot for tacoma and uh like i say just as kids growing up in tacoma people who are from tacoma uh, we have a lot of pride in you guys and you and it's something that when somebody says you're from tacoma and you can rattle off oh you know the sonics ventures whalers but yeah. Oh, gives some credibility, and you guys have brought that yeah. to us. Sort of like Liverpool, London. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the way we look at it, too. <laughs> it, is, it is. Well, let me go to, I want to, I'm going to name some bands here. The Hives, The Cramps, The White Stripes, The Fuzz Tones, <clears throat> Kurt Cobain, Mud Honey, and, and, and there's, the list goes on. These are all bands that have had good commercial success, who at, in some form or another, or at some point, pointed to the Sonics as in major influence big in, being influential in driving them how does that make you feel to have other bands who have had success to point to you guys and say that is what prompted me oh it's real nice obviously it's it's a warm feeling jack white has been real real kind to us he said a lot of uh, real nice things and uh you, you can't help but be uh, thankful for that. The Hives have been special friends. Yeah, we've actually become friends with the Hives. And uh, when we played Stockholm, we brought three of them out on stage with us and did the encore with them. So. The Fuzz Tones, Rudy Petruti. Yeah, and we did a thing in Germany with the Fuzz Tones. We, we met those guys actually in uh, New York. when we did, they, Rudy and a couple of the other guys came over, and we met them there. And later on, we wound up playing in Germany with them. I personally sent all of them letters asking them for money. Nothing yet. Those record contracts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they probably owe them money. Now, Freddie and Ricky, you guys are uh, the the new guys in the group. If you want to put young it that young way. guys, the, yeah. the young guys in the group. Yeah. 
Tell us about joining Sonics and uh, what that means to you, and if you, if you know how you how you feel about uh, being part of this, what I call something very special. Careful what you say, guys. Go, Ricky. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, when I was asked to come in uh, prior to the New York engagement, you know, for the reuniting of the band, um, I was, uh, you know, happy, happy, flattered to do it, and then. Uh, Sat down at first rehearsal and started playing and it was like coming back home. You know, I mean, this was the stuff I grew up. I mean, I remember hearing The Witch for the first time as a kid and, and that drum, snare drum driven uh, stuff. It was like um, un, unlike anything else, you know, and it made a big impression on me. And I played all that stuff, you know, in, in my early years. Few years behind them, uh, age-wise, and uh, and so to get the chance to sit down all these many years later, after having gone through the whole development period, and uh, uh, you know, I I outgrew all the Northwest music and blah blah blah, you know, and and uh, musically developed in so many different ways, uh, to the point where I'm coming back to playing what I initially was exposed to. Rock and roll wise, I was ready to play it then, uh, and I realized uh, how well strong and how important it and how good it it was. I didn't get it before, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> so it, it's been a, a lot of fun for me. Well, for me, yeah, I'm from the eastern side of the state, so I'm from Spokane, and I started playing with 13, 14 years old in Spokane, and a couple of different bands, and I got picked up by the Liverpool Five, which was a British band that had settled here in the 60s and so I joined them for two or three years and I uh, went down to California lived there got a call from a fellow from Spokane Tony Winslow that had me come back up to Seattle put together a group called the Northwest Rock and Roll Band which was members of the Kingsmen yes and then I went into that band the Kingsmen for a couple of years actually four years all told and had a band with Larry and Andy in the late 70s and early 80s called Freddie and the Screamers. Andy and Larry and one of the Dynamics, Ron Woods and Barry Curtis of the Kingsmen. So I knew the boys. I knew Larry and, and Andy. And it was just a, a given at some point when the Sonics got back together. I, I didn't go with them at first because both of my parents had passed away when they, they got together with Donnie. So I sort of bowed out, and then I got a call about a year later from Larry saying, hey, you want to join the band? I go, whoopee, all right. Damn it, Freddie, get over here. <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing them when I was a kid, and the, fr the first impression was, God, they're from the Northwest, all right. You know, and it was the close. I was a big, you know, British, mm -hmm. I love the kinks. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's, this is the, you know, this is the American, even more equivalent than the kinks. They were more attack than the kinks were even. Yes. So, yeah, I'm just elated. Yeah, it's interesting how a lot of uh, comparisons that came down when you first started was basically to the kinks or, you know, like the kinks. And, and there are some similarities, but you were definitely a harder driving yeah, band exactly. at the time than the kinks. Yeah. If I might add one thing, <clears throat> as a member of the Whalers, I had been for some time. Um, the talk was always, um, you know, should the Sonics, if the Sonics could get back together again, you know, uh, what, a, what a fantastic thing it would be. And, and it was pretty much understood and accepted that it just wasn't going to happen. 
you know, for whatever reason. It just wasn't going to happen. It was such a frustrating thing for all concerned within and without the band all around the realms is to know that the songs just weren't, it just, the magic just wasn't going to take place again. And then when it, when it did, it really was, wow. And now you have a, uh, a brand new EP CD coming mm -hmm. out titled Eight. And I know you guys, uh, we're going to have to wrap this up because I don't want to take your whole night. It's been very, very gracious of you guys to allow us in here. You're heading to Greece and Italy. Tell us about the new CD and about your trip over to Greece and then coming back to play the Capitol Theater on the 31st of December, New Year's Eve. Uh, but tell us about the CD and, and about the trip that you're about to embark on. Well, the CD has four studio cuts that we did with Jack Andino as a producer. They're all originals. And then uh, along with that, there's four or six live cuts from various places around Europe where the crowd was into it. And they're uh, real high-energy rockers um, from the 60s. So there's the four brand-new originals, and then there's uh, those cuts from Europe. And also, I believe a real nice poster goes along with it—a photo montage of the Sonics uh, in every capacity. So it's a very cool package. And, yeah. And where can people? I, I assume they can get it uh, online off your website. That's going to be going to be happening. And yes. Buck is telling us that uh, it's going to start being uh, being made available to local record stores probably oh, by the end Silver of the month. Great, so, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully in Tacoma, like Buzzer Records right. and. Uh, yeah, Rocket I think records and so forth. Mm -hmm. like yeah, that. yeah, I think all of those. Great. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to that. It's titled Eight, and then you're uh, heading to Greece and Italy, like I said, and then you're coming back, and everybody needs to head down to the Capitol Theater in Olympia on December 31st. You can get your tickets on brownpapertickets.com. One last question, and we'll wrap it up. And I'll start over here with Jerry. Where are the Sonics going from here? What what what's the future hold for the Sonics? Most of us are going to heaven. <laughs> Ricky, what do you see? What's happening? What, what, what's the future? Where are the Sonics headed? Well, um, if, if it means going to hell to play the Sonics music, I'll go there. Um, I'll just follow these boys wherever they want to go. Larry? Well, I think part of that will be... How people respond to the new songs, whether they like the stuff or not. Rob? Yeah, I absolutely I agree with, with Larry. I, I would say one further thing, it, honestly, in terms of what our goals are, is that uh, we have a, a, a real high profile in Europe. We're well-known there. We're well-known all over Europe. We're going to be going to Japan this spring, and, and hopefully that's going to uh, get our get our profile a little bigger over in that part of the world. What we really want to do, starting with this CD, is raise our profile in the United States. Mm. We'd like to play some of the big festivals here in the U.S., and we'd like to play in uh, some of the major markets. Get some well. national TV. Yeah, exactly. I don't think... Don't see a. I don't see how that could be a problem, Freddie. I just want to play on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think all of those are attainable. And uh, just on a side note, we got to get you guys back to Tacoma for uh, for a show. Uh, we would love to see you guys there. Thank you so much for allowing us this time. We're big, huge Sonic fans, and we're excited about the new CD. And we're going to be 
pushing it on our uh, Facebook and on our webpage. And everybody look for it. The Sonics CD is 8. Show the 31st Capitol Theater in Olympia. Thank you, everybody, so much. (laughs) 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 Welcome back again to the Northwest Convergence Zone. (laughs) That was a fantastic interview. I want to thank the Sonics. I got to thank Buck Ornsby for allowing us and inviting us into that. And uh, all those guys were great. We uh, we went to, I'm not going to say whose, but we went to one of their houses and set up all of our stuff. They let us just traipse right on in, treated us like gold, and um, just, it was a great time. Remember, their new CD, 8, is coming out very soon, and you can get that at uh, local CD stores, like they said, uh, online, and certainly at their shows. Don't forget the 31st Capitol Theater. You can get those tickets at Brown Paper Tickets dot com and those go on sale this week i believe on monday so it's going to sell out i'm telling you it's going to sell out you're going to want to be there they're pumped up about it we're pumped up about it and it's just going to be a really good time so uh it's been a great show got to thank the sonics got to thank tk kasnick and all the comedians down at the international comedy competition in seattle good luck to all of those guys and uh, who knows maybe we can have the winner on as soon as that's done yeah, that'd be great. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. You too, buddy. I uh, appreciate it. I'll be moving furniture. So. <laughs> Double D, always good to see you. Yeah, it's great. And I'll be mer- moving your furniture too. Gimmer, uh, absolute pleasure. You know, I'll tell you what's a pleasure. This world premiere song that we have going to drop right here from the Sonics. Bad Attitude. Never been heard before off the brand new CD titled Eight. Everybody have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to Northwest Convergence Zone. See you next week.
This has been a production of the Northwest Convergence Zone. Email us at nwconvergencezone at gmail.com.